Hi. We, how are you, Carl, on this hot July day? It's wonderful. I'm I'm doing a lot of things inside. I'm golfing at the galleries later today at the Sheldon. Do you know what that is? No. Oh, it's 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 an art installation that is also mini golf. This oh yes, I have. Chris knows. Yeah. Where you, it's like it's like putt putt golf when you putt between exhibits. Yeah. Well, no, the exhibits are actually the art pieces. The art pieces are actually the exhibits, and this is their fourth or fifth year. If it's the fifth year, I've gone four years. So mm-hmm. it is. It's great, and it's interactive, and it's inside. Yes. That's Chris Clark, and we'll talk to our other guest, Joey Paleo, about the St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase. And then around minute 42, wow, we'll talk Thor, Love and Thunder. And then around minute 52, we'll talk James Kahn. And then around minute 51, we'll talk Phantom of the Opera. And then around minute 56, we'll have our theater roundup. That's Chris Clark. Hi. Hi, Chris. We're going to talk about the annual... Twenty second annual. Let's get it straight. Get it Lynn. right. Twenty yes. <laughs> second. I can't believe it. It's been you know, it, clicking over into two decades. You know, we did not initiate the event, um, as I think you know. But you know, twenty two years. I think over eighteen hundred films thereabouts. And I got to get an intern one of these days to to count it up. But that's my rough math. Is about eighteen hundred or so films from St. Louis filmmakers. That's that's not a small number. No, it's remarkable. And it's going to be the two weekends, July 15th through 17th mm-hmm. and July 22nd to 23rd. So we're really happy you're here because the last couple of years have been virtual. Yes. And that was kind of a, we did the best we could and it would have been a miserable, low attended event with the grand exception a fellow guest filmmaker, Joe Paleo, whose former film, you know, well, you know, hi, Joey, hi, Joey. <laughs> um, whose film, we sold more tickets to that film than we've sold to any other, we're talking about America's Last Little Italy, uh, which was in the showcase in 2020. We sold more tickets to that film than any other film in cinema St. Louis history. And because it was online, we sold tickets to in eight countries, including Italy, of course. And it, it just was a smash, smash hit. So his well, next how film, does that part of the, how does part that of the tale, feel, Joey. <laughs> yeah, no pressure how does that there, buddy. Be the savior of the St. Louis Film Festival. I mean, St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase during quarantine. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know I'm I'm definitely happy about it, and and uh, I mean we all would have loved to have been you know sold out a bunch of shows in an actual theater, but you know life got in the way, and you know you didn't want to wait, and you agreed you know that we didn't know how long waiting would be, so you would have preferred it, and we talked about you know should we we would have had to wait two years, yeah, yeah, and we would have ultimately wound up in the same spot the following year, and you know lost momentum, so it all worked out for the best, and then it wound up in stores. Um, yep. and, you know, I know on it was Channel at 9. my local schnooks. Yep. It was uh, right in the uh, a display at the local schnooks. They even took a yeah. picture of it. Yeah, and, and Carl, I like Carl's grandparents grew up on the. I mean, not his no, no, up. they didn't. They were Sicilian. They were not allowed on the hill, as Joe knows, <laughs> because because the Sicilians were treated very unfairly. It where is, did they? Is, where did they stay? Uh, they stayed uh, farther south. The Joey knows this. He touched a little bit on the film because uh, it you had to be from 
the boot, not the soccer ball to stay on the hill because they were not necessarily fans of the Sicilians. The, were they more like St. Louis the, Hills? Well, St. Louis Hills and uh, downtown, they were at St. Vincent de Paul for a long time. Yeah, okay. And, and My I uh, brother-in-law's grandparents grew up on the hill. I mean, not grew up on the hill, but lived on the hill. And when he was a little kid, he remembers going to this barber shop on the hill with some questionable patrons. <laughs> Let's just I, like I noticed. With some I noticed secrets. He's staying quiet on all of these controversial topics. Yeah. The yeah, film's over. Yeah. <laughs> but did it do very well for you in its life uh, beyond fest- the festival, Joey? Yeah, I mean, it did incredible. Like, like Carl mentioned, uh, we went on PBS locally and then um, it got picked up by a distributor for um, called NIDA that goes to national PBS. So stations all across uh, America cool. showed the film. I think at last count, they told me, I think it had been like on 50 or 75 stations around the country that it had actually shown on. Um, and then it was also, it, it still is available to, to rent or buy on Amazon Prime. And that did very well. I think we've got over like 360 reviews. Uh, it's still got close to a five star. I think it's a four and a half star. It had a five star for a long time. So, I mean, people watched it, people enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, it was just, I think it's one of those stories that not a lot of people outside of St. Louis were aware that, uh, you know, St. Louis has this incredible uh, little Italy, um, the hill. And so, you know, bringing that to the attention of people was was definitely uh, a great experience. Now, that's an example of a film that I think it would have wound up mostly in the same spot anyway and had some national exposure. But I was just happy to be part of the premiere process and, you know, to to be a fine example of a St. Louis, you know, filmmaker making something and, you know, maybe the exposure did help you. Um, oh, I think so. I, sure. I'd love to claim a little bit, but you know, the film, you know, speaks for itself, but you know, it all, you know, helps, you know, there, I, I, we have a great relationship with channel nine uh, and films that wind up getting on there. Sometimes things that they've even produced um, mm-hmm. like wine tasting um, is going to in Missouri is going to be on there for sure. Right, well, so, Joey's yeah, Joey's got a new film. Yeah, let's talk about that. That's why a we're new, here. <laughs> a new family, and a it is home. about the Boz. A new, a new home. home. I'm sorry, I keep saying a new family. A new home. It's about the Bosnian experience in St. Louis. So tell us about that. So after we finished the Hill documentary, um, a lot of people uh, would come up to me, uh, and time and time again would want to pitch me on what my next documentary should be. And I'd say nine times out of 10, uh, the Bosnian story was what was being mentioned. Um, And so I began looking into it um, and kind of researching the Bosnian war and the need for all these refugees to come over and why they ended up in St. Louis. So I I thought that it was an extremely um, interesting story as well as very relevant. Um, at the time, a lot of Afghan refugees had started to come over. So I thought that was a, was a good uh, correlation. Um, and then obviously in the, in the post-production process, that's when the war in Ukraine started. So, you know, and all of the parallels that the Bosnian war has, has to that war. So I think that the film is extremely relevant. Um, and, you know, it's just something that 
a lot of people in St. Louis, I think there's a lot of maybe myths that we wanted to try to bust or uh, things that, um, you know, rumors that start and then they kind of just stick. Um, you know, I had heard a lot of these rumors and, and so I was, I was interested in, in kind of finding out what is the true story here? What, what actually happened? And, and uh, I think we do that in the film explaining that. The parallels between it and America's Last Little Italy, the reasons, you know, there wasn't a genocide necessarily, you know, there was a war, but it wasn't a genocide like in Bosnia, but this mass migration of an ethnic identity to a place that they really well and called home, St. Louis, you know, the in the early part of the you know 1800s and the, the building of the hill is not so different than this big migration. And they kind of built up parts of South St. Louis. You know, I grew up in South St. Louis by Cronulla Park and all over up and down Morgan Ford, all the Gravoid district and stuff and all the stuff that has been, it's kind of falling down and a little seedy, but they, you know, gussied it right back up and it's a beautiful, thriving, vibrant place to live. They brought craftsmen just like the um, Italians did. Uh, they brought any number of, of, of craftsmen with, you know, as part of this tens of thousands of people. So the story is very much the same. So it's a very nice parallel, nice compliment. You know, they complement each other. And Bevo, the Bevo Mill, Bevo area has just been researched. That place was, you know, St. John's High School closed down. Yeah, there it, was, any, it was a ghost town. There? It was yeah. a ghost town. A dusty ghost town with a dark shop and, you know, a couple of seedy bars and, you know, and a dirt, giant nothing. windmill that yeah. was unoccupied. Yeah. But now there's it's a thriving, bustling uh, place. And then, you know, the second migration uh, out to the promised land that is South County. So, you know, it's changed a lot. The grocery stores started having aisles of specialty ethnic food. The uh, on Gravoy, there is a Bosnian Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I lived in Bevo slash Holly Hills neighborhood for a while with uh, many Bosnian uh, families who are uh, delightful to talk to and they love this country. When I worked at St. Louis Community College, I was a tutor in the writing center for a time and I had this nursing student's paper and he had a shares life and he was from Bosnia and he talked about he came here did not know English. They met him at the airport with a sign, the International Institute, which does so much for so many people. And uh, he, they got him an apartment. They got him, uh, a, he got a job at a butcher shop. He walked two miles a day. He um, learned English. He got a second job at Schnooks as a cashier. And he told me he was so nervous about losing his job that he didn't even take a break. Well, and, I have, I, you know, I, cut to a year later, he's sending money home. He's working as an interpreter. He's enrolled in nursing school. He had, for, you know, he slept on his floor because he had no furniture. And you just think of how hard people work to be here. So I hope that you have you have got all these very rich and varied stories in your duck. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stories like like that. Well, I think it's easier. My Bosnian friends are the second generation. They're not the ones who first came here in the '90s. These are their kids who came when they were a little bit older. 
but they're in the workforce now because, you know, it's 30 years later. It's another generation that's gone through here. And I, one of them almost, is, a, almost into a third. Almost. Yeah. And I have one that is a vice president of a bank and another friend I work over with at enterprise center at blues games for a long time. I thought she was German. And then I realized, wait a minute, she's Bosnian because it's their accent is European. It's not necessarily Bosnian. You just, and I didn't care one way or another. She's a nice person. So it, it St. Louis is knocked for being racist sometimes, but we've been very accepting to the Bosnian community. And many communities, you know, like you mentioned, the International Institute, uh, there are any number of African and Middle Eastern, you know, name a region. There are a representative community of people here from just about everywhere in the world. Um, you know, mostly South St. Louis, uh, South side, but in a little bit in the North side, North County, uh, Spanish contingent, you know, from multiple countries all over South America or everywhere. So it's, we, you know, as racist as we are, uh, North, you know, Delmar, I'm not Nevada. saying we're not racist, yeah, I'm but, but weirdly on the other side of it, it's the exact opposite. And this is like a, a rainbow coalition of, you know, everybody here and working together and, you know, we don't have a true Chinatown necessarily, not, you know, olive-ish, little, but, but all kinds of- little, There's a Vietnamese element. Yeah, but ethnic populations in different neighborhoods. So there are little, you know, pop-up ethnic neighborhoods and sections everywhere. So, and the food, we have yeah. such a variety of food uh, for, you know, cheap, not high-end, you know, gourmet. Oh, this is inspired by, you know, Vietnamese fusion, French something. No, this is regular people food. Um, that is delicious. Well, look, Balkan treat box is frequently on the top 10 list in St. or the top restaurant list in St. Louis. We have, uh, we have a lot of the uh, Bosnian restaurants in that area. And also, Fon uh, Fon a couple of years ago took on this huge project, the Bosnian project. And they had all these interviews with people and they talked about coming to red brick St. Louis. They had never seen so many red bricks before mm -hmm. and that they learned English by watching friends. Yes. You hear that a lot that watching American television, they do that. Joey it's such a pleasure to talk to you. How did you get involved in filmmaking? I just want to know. So um, my father used to take me to the movies every Sunday uh, we'd go see a movie together. And so that really shaped, uh, you know, my love for cinema. Um, I went to Lindenwood. Um, I, at, at the time I, when I originally went, um, my major was going to be sports broadcasting and journalism. And I can see that. After my second, in my second semester there, I was taking a class intro to television and our teacher of that class, class was Rift Fournier. I don't know if you were familiar with him, but Rift was a, a writer in Hollywood for about 40 years. Uh, he worked on NYPD Blue, Charlie's Angels, Beretta. Um, and after reading a couple of my papers, he called me into his office and said, I think you need to change your major from uh, sports broadcasting and, and journalism and switch over to the film program. I think, I think you have a talent uh, for writing. And so hearing that from someone like Rift, uh, obviously, you know, I had done a lot of filming in high school. Um, I remember when we got 
our first digital cameras and they, they got uh, the Adobe Premiere suite. So we were able to start editing. And so it was something I was very passionate about, but being from the Midwest, coming from a middle-class family, having no connection to Hollywood, you know, I thought being a filmmaker was just a, a dream that was unattainable. Uh, so hearing this from Riff that, that he thought that, that it was a possibility, uh, you know, really lit a fire under me and uh, I'm just completely. It's turned with. out for you. I, I he was right. Yeah, we it's it's, uh, you know, it, it things have gone extremely well. Um, I, you know, like the first short film that I made, um, you know, I made it right out of college. And, and the goal was just to get more time behind the camera and try to try to get better. I didn't really think much of it. And then uh, a year later, Kevin Hart's uh, company, LOL Network, uh, picked up the film and it showed it just for laughs. And it also showed a man's Chinese theater in Hollywood. And so, excellent. It, yeah, I mean, it was just... I, I can't believe how things have gone. And then right after that, we did the Hill documentary. And like Chris said, it, you know, broke all these records at the festival. And it was just a, a big success here in St. Louis and beyond. And now we've got this new one. We hope to kind of just, you know, keep the trend going of we do a film and, and people enjoy it. And, and they, you know, it's so difficult to try to get people to watch your film. We've kind of, we haven't had that problem, which is, you know, it's been incredible that um, people have kind of flocked to, to the stuff that we've uh, produced so far and hopefully a new home follows that trend. Well, that's great. You think you're going to stay in the documentary uh, world or you're going to branch over to the narrative? Well, so Top Sun was filmed as a mockumentary so that we could save money. Um, <laughs> and then we were trying to make that as a feature film uh, but the budget was was looking like it was going to be something that was pretty high. So then we did the documentary. I mean, just there's no doubt making the documentaries are more cost effective because I can do so many of the jobs as well as my co-producer. So the two of us, basically, uh, Steve Kerkuris, um is my co-producer and he was on The Hill as well. And then Rio Vitali executive produced The Hill and, and this film. But myself and Steve, we basically wear every hat. So I do the camera and Steve does help, does with the editing and the music and uh, we do the, gra the motion graphics. And so we're able to do all of these jobs um, and, and don't have to, you know, hire out to, to do them. So the, the documentaries are, are cost effective, but also, you know, I, if you would have told me while I was at Lindenwood that I'd be making documentaries, there's no, you know, at that point in time, documentaries, I don't want to say that they were seen as less than narrative film. But it's a different kind of filmmaking process. Definitely. And, you know, documentaries have just taken off in the last 10 years since, since I went to school. So um, now it's extremely viable to make a documentary and then have people watch it, which was extremely hard you know, 10 years ago. So <laughs> Would you get into true crime? There was, so we looked at, that was actually going to be the next film that we were going to do was a true crime documentary. Um, then uh, this Bosnian one, we just, the more I researched into it, I thought that it was a perfect follow-up to the Hill, uh, oh, similar, in, similar in tone. Um, and so, uh, I mean, 
I think I think true crime we we might look into that, but um, you know, there's just so many. Like I say, so many people come up to you with with these ideas as what what you should do next. Some of them are good ideas that we haven't thought of. So I, I mean, I, I appreciate. I I think I'd rather have people come up to me and tell me they want me to make another documentary than say, maybe you should stop doing this. So I, I'll take, <laughs> I'll take the advice. I, I mean, I guess it says that we're doing something right. If people want to see more of what we have to do. Good way of looking at it. I think there's endless topics. There really are. There's so many untapped. So Chris. Yes. Tell, tell us when, where, how, and where they can get more information. Yeah. So we're, here to talk about the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase in its yes. 22nd year. Uh, <clears throat> this year, there are 63 films uh, from one country. Uh, St. Louis is the divining link, and for people that don't really know the whole history of it. So <clears throat> it's St. Louis filmmakers, but they're not all absolutely necessarily living currently in St. Louis. We allow expatriates who've escaped our shores here in the Mississippi and Missouri to work elsewhere. There's lots of people, you know, grew up here, but they live in New York, LA, uh, Chicago, you know, wherever there, we have a participating filmmaker from St. Louis living in Australia. I think that's a first. So we're, yeah. we're, we're cross-continental now um, wow. in, in this event, but uh, six, 63 films this year, um, all shapes and sizes, all kinds of different filmmakers, veteran filmmakers uh, like Joey Paleo. This is his third time, right? At least uh, right. top son uh, was your, grand launch onto the local film scene. You had quite a bit of success with that fun uh, short. Um, hobbyists, uh, people like Catherine Neville, who, you know, sort of weave in and out of film and TV and, and stuff like that. Um, lots of students. Uh, but, you know, every year there's brand new people that we've never necessarily met before who are just working quietly amongst us and turn in interesting projects. Uh, there are short films as short as a couple of minutes uh, a documentary and narrative features. And then the upper end of the scale is one of the longest films I've ever programmed in 22 years, a two hour and 45 minute narrative feature called Unresolved that is remarkable in how well it holds up. It's a time spanning revenge drama, and but it all the balls stay in the air until the end. Uh, and it really is, you know, really quite impressive feat. But, you know, men, women, black, all kinds of colors, uh, you know, lots of representation, you know, up and down the board, but it's the heartbeat is St. Louis. You want to go to cinemastlouis.org to find out more information about that. Yes. And, and uh, the, the, the uh, filmmakers have been on uh, radio and television and uh, my KTRS colleague, Ray Hartman has yes. been interviewing Lots a of lot people. of the filmmakers. So if you go to uh, Ray's St. Louis and the No link, you can hear some of them. Last night, he had on, oh, I just forgot his name. He, he Seth Ferranti. Yes, Seth Ferranti, who is quite the colorful guy. And he did a movie called Nightlife, which is about the, uh, the, the minister who goes out into the streets in Reverend, Reverend McCoy um, has a ministry called Nightlife in North St. Louis, and they just kind of patrol the streets at night uh, looking for people who need help, need a bottle of water, need help with uh, drugs. But one thing that they focus on, which is ignored kind of up and down the line everywhere, is mental health issues. 
that are inherent with yep. the homeless or people with drug conditions or poor conditions. Life is stressful. You know, Lynn, you have trouble with your car and Joe, you have trouble with your air conditioner today. Those are fixable problems that you're going to pay for and forget about. There is a whole bunch of people who don't and are hot and hungry and crabby, and they're not going to have any relief. So that causes stress. So, you know, they look at all kinds of aspects of just basic human compassion. So, which is yeah. uh, which is always a, a tool of filmmakers. So I'm glad to see that uh, you are back into the swing of things. And who knows, maybe yes. next year you'll have a record bounty because for a couple of years you were having record turnouts. Yes. Yeah. So this is an easy event to sell on one hand because people you know, will bring their friends and their girlfriends and their families or crew members. But we always, always encourage the general public uh, to come and see these things. These things could stand toe to toe with a film festival or, or an environment that shows films anywhere, I think. Um, you know, a, a film like Joey's will bring in a, people that are interested in the topic. But, you know, if you take a chance on a short subject program or any other of the you know features I'm going to online, it's really impressive what these artists, and I will use that term firmly, that these artists have created. This is a, you know, because they're not in Newark, LA doesn't mean they can't, they're not filmmakers and they're not talented. They're super talented. Well, as a mom of a former, uh, as a filmmaker who participated in the St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase, I think four times, uh, selected, uh, what is so fun about seeing those movies, those short programs live, mm -hmm. is that you're sitting with all the filmmakers and their families and you are responding to their work that they haven't had on the big screen before. And uh, you see where people are laughing, you see where they're not laughing, <laughs> and you see the reaction of a crowd, which is kind of surreal that, that you know, you're sitting with people, but it's so much fun. You cannot duplicate that experience of seeing a fresh new work by a filmmaker and, uh, and, and that excitement, you know, because they hopefully pack it with their friends, hopefully. And uh, it's a great supportive system. And then through the years, you get to know all these filmmakers. So then people show up to support. And then you also find people to work on your films behind the scenes. Because yeah, it's a lot of networking and cross-pollination. I always read the credits at the end, especially for the local films, because I, you know, somebody that's directed a film, he might be a grip or, you know, a random crew member on somebody else or editing something else. Um, I love the joy that it brings to, you know, the shiny faces and the excitement and energy. It's, it's a great thrill ride uh, to do this. It's an honor. And another thing that's going to return this year is the the rap party at the Duck Room. Yay. Yes, yes. And I have some entertainment surprises in store because I've barely been able to contain myself um, these past two years not having a live party. And to wrap this whole thing up with a bow, the next generation, I understand, Carl, I'll be looking forward to your daughter's first submission um, animation shit. yep i can't wait to hear that uh, you know that name you tell me when it's coming you know? i will oh believe me she she will, is very interested she has whole seasons of shows planned out in her head and i said you realize you have to make the first you have to make the pilot feature length or at least whatever you do so we can enter it in this and she's like oh i know these things so mm -hmm. well joey ready. isn't your movie your movie's just a little bit more than an hour isn't it 
This this one uh, is fifty eight minutes. Okay, so Too see, long. yeah, it's 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 manageable for people who are like, oh yeah, well, I have things to do, you know. <laughs> I have oh, things. To- and also, one thing about your story, Joe, which I really thought made it super special, is it kind of delineated the 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 geography and the conflict, and kind of explained it. In, in a chunk that for people that, you know, we know bits and pieces of it, but to see it all discussed in a row kind of brought it, you know, kind of put it in a better perspective uh, in different little factoids uh, well, like that. Before we let you go, Joey, I just want to thank you because uh, the late Rich LaRusso, who was part of your film, but he gave you a whole bunch of photographs. Uh, when the film was finished, it was, everything was virtual and Richie got to see the final film before he, before ALS took him from us. So I want to thank you for including Rich because he's in the credits and he really enjoyed that. And he sold and his wife still sells the film at the restaurant. So thank you for having Richie be a part because Richie was a big, I mean, he was a big part of the Hill and he and his wife and kids still live there. So I just want to thank you for that. Of course. Yeah. Rich was an incredible person and, uh, he was extremely supportive of the film and, and helping us. Uh, so yeah, Rich, Rich was an incredible guy. We put it, we put it, he, he couldn't leave his living room. So we plugged in my computer and he got to watch it and it, it made him, it made him very happy. And he and his brothers were arguing about, don't you remember this thing? And so I had to pause it for a while while they argued, but, it, but you know, that's the hill. That's, that's Italians. <laughs> and well, that's the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase, bringing people joy worldwide. Well, Excellent. also the neighborhood aspect of St. Louis. And I just think it's fun when you're watching these movies to see parts of St. Louis that you know and that you can pick out. Yes. It's, a point, it's a point of pride. But Chris will announce on the at the rap party the movies that go on to the St. Louis Filmmaker Show. I'm not St. Louis International Film Festival. So in case... Uh, you'll have a, a, a more opportunity to see the movie. But Joy, where is your website and where can people access uh, what all you do? Yeah, so we'd like people to go to our Facebook page. Uh, it's facebook.com slash a new home doc. Um, and that's also the tag on our Instagram and Twitter is at both of those places, just a new home doc. And there you can see uh you can get all of the details as to how to see the film and, and keep up with us and, and get more details. So our film is going to be showing um, Sunday, July 17th, 5 p.m. at Brown Hall at Washington University. So hopefully everybody out there listening, this this interests them enough to, to come out and watch the film and, and really get that communal experience that uh, you get watching a film, uh, you know, in a packed theater. Uh, we're so excited to have that experience again after we weren't able to have that for the Hill documentary. So we're, we're really looking forward to uh, premiering this film at the showcase. Chris, I want to say thank you. And I wish you guys the most success because it's been tough for you guys the last couple of years. I've hated it. I really, I've been miserable. I did not like it at all. We did what we could and there were bright spots, you know, like America's a little bit. And I talked to lots of people all over the world on Zoom calls, interviewing filmmakers, but 
for fuck's sake, I want to be in a theater with a microphone <laughs> in a crowd and smell popcorn and hear noises and hear people and tell bad jokes and listen, you know, to laughter and see people's faces, you know, with bright shining faces or abject horror at what they've just seen. You know, I want to see a reaction. I want to, you know, feed off the energy. It, it's, you know, it's what I do. You know, can't abject wait to go back. Horror. And we got to give a shout out to Joey's alma mater, Lindenwood. Because he worked with our esteemed colleagues, Carl, Peter, Carlos, and Ben Scholl, right? Scholl. 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 But it's, it's at Washington University's Brown Hall Auditorium. So go to cinemastlouis.org and you will find out everything about it. And if you want to see more uh, interviews with the filmmakers, you can go to my website, poplifestl.com. We're going to have uh, all this weekend and next week, we're going to be a featuring of, of directors with a take 10 interviewing them about their lives and their projects. Exciting. So Chris, have you seen anything new recently or have you been just stuck in cinema St. Louis world? Um. I have not new except for television. That's uh, all right. Do you, what do you Ms. recommend Marvel, right now? Ms. Oh, Marvel. Yeah. So good. The way, way, way over the top, the boys. It's, uh, is it the finale today? Uh, possibly. It's either today uh, or next Friday. Yeah. Uh, uh, things the like Ms. that. The Ms. Marvel plot uh, uh, pilot was so well done it gave it gave you uh the fact that they didn't do that for the next two or three episodes made me a mm -hmm. little disappointed because the pilot was so great and i i just wanted more of that but i know they have a story to tell and it's over the course of six episodes so yeah it's 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 different than the rest uh you know i'm not the demographic market but I'm enjoying the character and the actress and the, the story. Uh, I like all of it. And, you know, the inclu inclusivity to do it. And these are just, they're Muslim people being represented, but they're just like a normal, like a normal family They're you know, there's nothing right. overly religious. They don't push it, you know, too far or too strict. They don't make them. She's just a normal kid uh, right. who has abnormal superpowers <laughs> uh, because of her bracelet. And you know, it, it's just really fun. And the finale the for that is, is next week. Crazy. Yeah, the boys is just, oh my God, just when you think they can't be any grosser or more offensive, they go further than you how think. Is the, how was the orgy last week? Herogasm? Uh, <laughs> wow. It's. I, it's I, I, I've not, I haven't seen it. So all I know is people were talking about the superhero orgy. Infer from what you will. Infer from what you will. I have this list of everything I need to see that's on television. It's I don't think I'll, in my lifetime I will get to this, but and I did I did blaze through Stranger Things. Oh, I my my family doesn't have time for it. Every my wife won't let us watch it when we're eating because she says that's a bad time to watch that, and she also says we also don't have seventy minutes per episode to. I, we just have to carve time out to see it. Yeah. And then the um, I got Peacock. Specifically, five ever. <laughs> I wanted to watch um, the third reboot of Queer as Folk. OK, because it's radically different than the other two, which were very mirrored each other very much. And this is a 
it was hard to watch parts of it because it starts with a shooting uh, and, you know, goes on through. But I know where Kim Cattrall went. Uh, <laughs> she appears as she appeared. It took me all eight episodes. It was like halfway through the, the final episode. I'm like, wait a minute. I recognize that mole in that woman's chin. Is that Kim Cattrall? <laughs> it can't be because her accent was weird. And I looked it up and sure was. So she plays a character's mother. So it was good. Um, so I, I kind of like the new-ish eight episode arcs of shows, eight to 10, sometimes 12, mm-hmm. instead of like 23 or 40, you know, what we were used to in our ancient childhoods. Um, it's more digestible. And I guess that's what the world needs. But you can tell a tight, concise story and action packed. You're not missing anything. Joey, when when you're out of the editing bay, what are you watching? Well, so two of my favorites are, are Tom Cruise and Elvis. So this uh, oh, this is your summer, it's man. Your summer. This has been my summer. So I, I obviously I went and saw Top Gun Maverick and enjoyed every minute of it. And then uh, last weekend I got to go see the Elvis movie and I enjoyed that as well. So it's it's been a it's been a good summer for for me in terms of of uh, my two guys getting their, getting their due. Well, my theory about Top Gun is, Lynn, I'm, this is, it's, it's a non-spoiler theory for those who have not seen it, but after the first crash, it is all a death dream. He dies after the first crash and everything after that is his last moments before he dies. That is my theory. I saw the first I I saw the first 20 minutes and then there was a power failure at the theater I was in. So I I never I didn't find the time to go back and see it. So I didn't know there was a crash. So, oh, my Apple. uh, (laughs) But I look forward to it. I look forward to it. I can't wait. I can't wait. My Apple thing just went off like it just starts playing songs that I did not request. So I'm going to go turn that off. It's playing Frozen, Carl. (laughs) Why? I didn't even, didn't even know I had frozen. Okay. Uh, I like Miles Teller. Yes. Uh, so great in it. He's got yeah. the porn mustache. Yeah. All the better. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, is- and Tom Cruise is a weirdo. It but is still- a total weirdo. But I love everything he's in. Yeah. But he knows he knows how to make a movie. He knows he is, what to make. He has kept up his you know star power and He's made it all, you know, he's weathered it all. I love Ethan Hunt. Yeah. And you're going to have two more of them. And then that's, that's supposedly right. it. Uh, th- that's not enough. Well, uh, Joe, but it just what, you, you know, it's a great character. Um, in Top Gun, did you love the Val Kilmer uh, uh, reunion? Oh, my wife was bad. like, I, I was teary eyed from the beginning of the movie to the end. I mean, it was like when the Bruckheimer logo, when Bruckheimer Simpson, when the logo comes in. And the, I mean, just everything. It was so nostalgic and just everything that, that you would want. Yeah, I mean, the Kilmer scene was unbelievable. Um, and, you know, Tom Cruise is our last great American movie star. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, the guy did it. He brought people back to the theater and he, he held out. And, and for that the- theatrical experience when, you know, other actors who aren't in his position weren't able to do that. And so we had to wait a long time to see it, but it was worth the wait for sure. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think we're going to hear more about it at the, the award season. I really do. I really well, Top Gun has already won Top Gun. The original has Oscars. It won best song, but I mean, I think this might even make the 10 pictures. I do. 
uh, we got to see what else is out there the rest of the year. But it's July. There are there are a lot know, of months left. But well, let's let's save a spot for Elvis. Yes, please. Yes, which I haven't I, seen yet either. But I, I can't wait. I love Boz Lerman very much, and I can't wait to see this. Well, Boz aims for the fences, and Austin Butler hits it out of the park. Yeah, Boz doesn't do anything subtle in this film. <laughs> well, that's why I'm going to a Boz Lerman film. That's right. You know, and I know it's not a strict, you know, to the letter biopic and, you know, glossed up in certain things. Well, you know, what is it? You know, Rocket Man and everything's where, well, that was much more glossy and you know, way over the top. But I, I, I not as it. over the top as Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Don't even get Carl started. It's a bunch <laughs> of lies, is what it is. <laughs> but I like, you know, his aesthetic. You know, all the way from Simple Ballroom and Moulin Rouge, I could watch forever. You know, it's just I it's always like, eye candy. He's going to remake Australia as a limited series because I have said I have always defended Australia. I think Australia is two thirds of a perfect movie. It's once they get to the ranch, that's when the movie falls apart. And that's the last thing you see, the last third of that movie. So you leave there going, I didn't like that. But the first two thirds of the movie I really, really like. It's just the last third is just awful. Is he filming new stuff or is it just going to be? I'm not. I'm not sure that I just read a report about it and it's going to be the same story, but extended. So it's going to get deeper into what was going on. So I don't know if it's going to have Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman. I'm excited either way, though, because he says he's got a four hour Elvis cut. Yes. Yes. Oh, I bet that has something to do with the DVD when it comes out. So yeah. When does it come out? When does it come out? Is it next week? Is it soon? (laughs) No. When? It's only been in theaters for a week, Chris. I I want what I want. I want what I want. Well, you know, um, there's a lot to unpack, but I think a big telling thing about the Elvis movie is that the Presley family signed off on it. Which Priscilla kind of, and Lisa Marie, they were there at the premiere con, I think, and they just were in tears and they all loved it. Yeah, got a 12 minute standing no. Uh, that, that a, means nothing at con, I know, but still, I still think I understand. And that kid is mesmerized. Yeah, he got up and did a little hip shake apparently on stage, and the crowd went crazy, and the, the ceiling cracked, and the pillars, you know, but it people went nuts. So well, what, to have that what, kind of star power is really impressive. Well, speaking oh. of star, star power, we have to get to it. We've, we've been going on for 35 minutes. We have to get into the big number one movie of the next couple of weeks. Do you guys have thoughts on Thor Love and Thunder? I know you haven't seen it, but do you have thoughts on it? The characters are amusing. I want to see the return of Jane. You know, I'm all about it. Do you, you know, a, you down, a down and out superhero. Uh, are you, know. you fans of Taika Waititi? I, yes. I haven't seen a superhero movie in probably like 15 years. I think the last one I saw was the the Batman, Chris, one of Christopher Nolan's Batman. So, so that, okay. The, Bat, the Dark Knight and Iron Man came out the same year. So it was, I saw Iron Man and I saw Dark Knight. So I've seen both of those, but I, I haven't. I, I'm not into the a lot of the Marvel stuff. So the I, MCU as no, that's not no. me. <laughs> well, I'm not. No, it'll be a fun summer. romp. Will it change the world? No, but um, well, I think it'll be a fun summer, romp. It's the summer of the Chris's, Pratt, Evans, and Clark, and uh, yes, yes, and uh, Hemsworth. And what I love about Chris Hemsworth is he always his rippling appears, muscles. 
well that but his little cheeky <laughs> sense of humor but, yes he's very funny yes he's really very funny he's always he always acts like he is in on the joke and that endears him to me because you know just being beefy and you know muscle he was he stole the show in in uh lady ghostbusters oh he did yes. oh he did he was so and good. it's it's they've renamed it's uh ghostbusters answer the call is the is the subtitle to differentiate the two now oh and when he's the weather it's called lady ghostbusters uh, that's what it's called (laughs) yeah well when he's the weatherman in the vacation reboot yes that was fun with ed helms (laughs) you know so i love that he that he just goes with with uh it and he uh goes uh in the last avengers endgame he went to seed He's drinking beer, eating pizza, laying around. Uh, he has having an existential crisis. So he packs on the pounds. He's got this big gut. So this one takes up where that left off and he's getting in shape. He's, he's still going, with the Guardians of the Galaxy, by the way. Yes. He's going from dad bod to god bod. So there we go. Which is what Taita Waikiti's Korg tells us he is actually the narrator of this movie. Chris, here's a here's a quick summary. It's Ragnarok, but this time with Jane Foster and Valkyrie. And Christian, Bale I could spend is, a couple. I could spend some time. Christian Bale is a quite sinister villain. I I give that props. I think uh, there's uh, the the performances are good uh, because you have Natalie Portman, Oscar winner. Christian Bale, Oscar winner. Uh, Carl, they've already revealed Russell Crowe. So well, in he's his... in the cast list. They never said who he is, but he's, right. he's always been in the cast list. But once you find out who he is, that it makes sense. We're right. And he's silly in it. And Russell's been doing that for a couple of years now. He's going like full, full Orson Welles in his girth, you know. And, and he's not hiding it. He's, he's no. in a tank top. Yeah, that's true. Well, anyway, I just think there's just such a spirit. This it's really like a rom com, uh, surround uh, draped in the darker cosmic adventure. I'd say it's room. more of a dramedy because they're they switch from comedy to drama on the turn of a dime. I don't I don't think that Tida actually pulls that off. I don't think the fact that that they go from tonally. It goes from superhero fun house to serious drama at the drop of a hat. It was it's just it's jarring at times. Well, they do push that PG-13 full because some of the they kidnap children. Uh, the, the Oh, and it starts with a child's death. Everybody yeah, Gore Gore, the God Butcher. That's the name of Christian Bale's character. Can't be more transparent there. Um, kidnaps children. The children of Asgard, which now Thor has Asgard. To Asgard is a state of mind, not necessarily a planet anymore. Well, so uh, they have to get into that. But there are some gruesome things. And so I think, you know, they're pushing it as a family film. But for little ones, I think there's that's a little concerning. But I think for the most part, Taka, Taika Waititi uh, straddles that well. But I do agree with you. Uh, my colleague at the Webster Kirkwood Times, Kent Tenshirt, he had issues with the balance. He didn't think they quite pull it off. And I think they're, I don't know if this was Disney. 
Titus' last project, uh, Our Flag Means Death. Yes. Is, is very gay friendly. This movie takes that to another level because, you know, they they knocked Ragnarok for Valkyrie supposed to be gay. They bring that out a lot in this movie. And if you're there are a lot of people that might be uh, not necessarily turned off, but surprised at they they do a whole 180 on the whole thing. It is very uh, inclusive friendly, which I find great. But the fanboys, a certain element of the fanboys are going to get aggravated. Well, naughty boys, naughty gods need love too. Right. And, but it's some of it is subtle and some of it is blatant. And he knows how to do it subtle. And he knows, I think he's doing it on purpose because of everything that's happened with Disney in the last year. So I, I, I'm warning people in advance if you're not. It's it's more adult than it actually for a superhero movie. Oh, I have a bit of trivia for you, Carl. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Dictionary.com word of the day today was yeah. uh, <clears throat> the name of the rainbow bridge from Asgard to Earth. Oh, uh, the Bi- Bifrost. Very good. That was, in fact, Dictionary.com word of the day today. So good job, sir. I thought you might get it. Good for you. Bifrost, yes. It took me a second, but they... I thought it was odd because it was a capital, so it was a proper noun. They don't do that very often, but it was relevant because of the film coming up. And you Look know, at the people at dictionary.com being relevant to today's pop culture. Well, they are often very like on the nose with you know, political happenings are coming a day or two later after a big political summer. There'll be a word that's tweaking. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to their words of the day. There, there's some thought behind it. Well, also, okay, it's well, it's it's very interesting that it, the movie is so gay positive, yet the entire soundtrack, ninety percent of it is Guns N' Roses songs, which is a weird dichotomy to hmm. some people, because it's most it's mostly from Appetite for Destruction, even though there is one climactic scene that does November Rain from Use Your Illusion, which I thought was really done well because they've already done the immigrant song, which is all about Thor and the God of Thunder. They already did that in Thor 3, Ragnarok. So where to go from here? But Axl Rose and Slash and all those guys, they are going to get a lot of downloads because of this, because, you know, just the Stranger Things effect these kids that don't yeah. know Guns N' Roses are going to, just like in Guardians of the Galaxy, all these Marvel movies, if they have soundtracks, they do very well. Mm-hmm. So look for Guns N' Roses catalogs to shoot up iTunes and Spotify lists. Only only quasi-related. The best cover song of all time is Live and Let Die. Oh, by Guns N' Roses. By Guns N' Roses. I thought I think you were going to say, say Sweet Child of Mine by Sheryl Crow. Nope. Um, um, Little Let Die. I'm going to go on a limb and say it's superior to the original. Wow. See, I just saw Paul McCartney. Which I like, which I like, and I like him, but I think what Guns N' Roses did with it just made it really deep and guttural and superior on the Gross Point Blank soundtrack, by the way. And it's on Use Your Illusion <laughs> 1. Now I we're believe. getting deep. Well, yes. the uh, the Gross Point Blank soundtrack is one that I have the CD of. So I do I'll too. I have to go look it up. The long threatened sequel may never happen but maybe someday it will well that's because uh john cusack hates has never done a sequel 
he, he never has done a sequel. I, I believe that's still true. I, he never does them. So that's why he's not in Hot Tub Time Machine 2. Yeah. But he's of all of his famous films, I don't th- I think it is still true that he hates doing sequels and won't do them. Mm. Oh, well. well, the uh, the gross point blank soundtrack to me, the best song on that is Under Pressure. <gasps> yes. I mean, it's one of my favorite soundtracks that and. Uh... And it's got the violent thumbs on it, too. Yes. Let's stay in the sun. So, yeah. So speaking of music, well, before you guys leave, we have to ask you because James Kahn died yesterday at age yes. two. And every I know everybody just immediately thinks Sonny and the Godfather. That's not true. There, but there's an I, entire generation that do, does not think that. Well, they the think entire generation they think he's dad buddy's and dad. Elf, <laughs> and elf. But uh, those that were alive when he made the 1971 abc movie of the week brian's song which is oh, yeah. which is famous for reducing grown men to puddles of tears uh billy d williams put out a picture of them recently and said still teammates oh and, and then he reposted it yesterday oh well the tributes are really coming al pacino wrote about if have you guys seen the offer on paramount plus it's totally worth all 10 episodes. It's I, I started it and I didn't get very far. I got distracted with, you know, my day job, well, but um, I was enjoying the story uh, very well, much. You will just again, my, my boy, Miles Teller in there again. Yes. Well, you will love to me, Dan Fogler as Francis Ford Coppola and mm. Matthew Good as Robert Evans. It is yep. brilliant uh, about 70s filmmaking because at the same time they're okay and everything for the Godfather, they're dealing with trying to get Chinatown greenlit, trying to get Paper mm-hmm. Moon done, trying to, it just shows that that whole 70s film vibe with all these guys and it's just brilliant. And then it has the mob, but the, the best scenes to me are the ones involving Pacino and Brando and Sonny isn't in as much as they are, but the character playing James Khan has a couple key scenes yep. that are wonderful. And I don't want to spoil them, but if you love movie making, you will love this. And especially yep. if you like to see the actor's process yep. and they ask a son, they ask James Khan to do something in this one scene and it's just really fun. So you've got that, you know, mm-hmm. but they wanted him to play Michael. And He's, was a- he was famous for turning down roles. He was, they wanted him for apocalypse now and he turned it down and, Oh, there was another famous one that he turned down too, but he was famous. He's like, ah, I don't want to do that. And well, one of his yeah. uh, movies that I hope gets more traction now that he's deceased is thief. Michael Mann's feature debut. I don't know that I've ever seen it. So I'm that's on my list. Is it on streaming anywhere currently? I I believe it is. Well, here's on Amazon a couple months ago. Okay, I'll find it. But uh, there's a there is here. Here's my public service announcement, Lynn. I'm going to do it again. Just Watch is a website and an app that tells you where everything is. And you you also uh, Misery, where he plays. Yeah, I guess. Yes. Twitter, Twitter yesterday. Of course, they only put up the, they don't have, you know, him talking about writing or doing anything. Like, they only put up the Kathy Bates woodblock scene. That's the only thing that they put mm. up yesterday. <laughs> uh, so I was forced to watch that again. Yeah. 
So even though he played tons of tough guys, he's in John Wayne movie. He was in, uh, you know, he start. he was an actor for 60 years. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. He was uh, Bill Hader's dad. Yeah. And also he did uh, he did some rom-coms, which I don't think are very successful, but he was Marsha Mason's. uh, He played Neil Simon, of all people. That's right. The Goodbye Girl. Chapter two. Chapter two. And then also he was Barbara Streisand's uh, sequel, Funny Lady. He was Billy Rose. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's on Roku, Hoopla, Tubi, and Canopy, and Pluto TV for free. Right now, streaming on all those. Uh, I'll figure it out. I think there were. I want to go back and see Honeymoon in Vegas. Hey, let's not forget Alien Nation. He's the bad guy. I have never seen Alien Nation. And when you said that yesterday, Chris, I put it on my list. Yep. Mandy Patinkin. Have you seen The Gambler? Yes. Yes. And um, the original is way better than the Mark Wahlberg reboot. He loved playing Italians, even though he wasn't. (laughs) Jewish. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, One of the movies that I have seen recently, I love these true stories that we've known that I didn't know anything about. And so I just saw Phantom of the Open, which today is on premium video on demand. And I don't didn't understand that, but I went to just watch and it says it's on AMC on demand. But I'm hoping it gets more uh, more widespread on on digital platforms and video. And I hope so. It's Mark Rylance playing Maurice Fitcroft. Academy Award winning. Yeah, the Academy Award winning Mark Rylance, who's just a brilliant actor. And he plays this British folk hero, Maurice Flitcroft, who is known for entering the 1976 British Open and scoring the worst score in the history. I saw a trailer for that. Now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it, it played at Frontenac for a week or so. And I totally missed this. This was not on my radar. And so I watched it because it's coming out on video and um, it's delightful and charming. Sally Hawkins plays his wife. Uh, Riss Ifens is the Reese. Reese. Okay. I always say Riss because that's what it looks like. Reese Ifens and our iPhones. I don't even know. We should look up how the guys. British people. British. It's, people. it's a very British film. Yeah. He's the bad guy. He's like one of these pompous, insufferable uh, executives because the establishment could not believe this guy had the cheeky audacity to try golf and try it at such a high level. But Maurice worked as a crane operator at a shipyard and he heard that they might be laying off people. So he was a dreamer and decided, well, Hey, I should go for what I want to do. And he watched Tom Watson win the 1975 British open. And he thought, I'm going to take up golf. And (laughs) so, so he gets mocked. He becomes a joke. But ultimately, he becomes this folk hero and is celebrated. There was a tournament in Grand Rapids, Michigan, or somewhere in Michigan, where it was the Maurice Flitcroft tournament. And the guy that got the worst score was the winner. Does he get a piece of that, I hope? 
I hope so. But his story is amazing in fact that it's true. And uh, Craig Robert, he's a filmmaker. He was an actor for a while. He was in Neighbors. He directed this charming film that went nowhere called Submarine. And uh, he directs it. But this guy has these twin boys that were disco dancing champions in real life. And so through this whole movie, they're, they're this modest British couple living in this little teeny home. And the boys are always disco dancing because it's set in 19, you know, the mid 1976. Yeah. And it is a hoot. And really these guys did go on to win, to win dancing competitions, but they're always, you know, breaking out (laughs) disco moves. All right. (laughs) Excellent. All right, Lynn, we have to go. And so does Joey. Joey, once again, where can we find you online? Uh, You can look up the film, uh, both America's Last Little Italy, The Hill and um, A New Home. Uh, The Facebook pages are for The Hill. It's if you would search America's Last Little Italy, The Hill or facebook.com slash The Hill Doc. Uh, A New Home, you could search A New Home or facebook.com slash a new home doc. And then that is both uh, a new home doc is both our Instagram and Twitter tags. And if you want, you can look me up on Facebook. It's under Joey Paleo. Add me as a friend. If you want to see more of what we're doing, I I welcome that. You can find me at underscore Carl, the intern on Instagram and Twitter. It's, it's been a while. Hockey hockey is in 99 days. Um, you can also hear me on the Mark Cox Morning Show Monday through Friday and then on Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors on 97 on Saturday and KMOX on Sundays, either before or after the baseball game. Lynn, where are you? I am at poplifestl.com where you can find my, uh, well, my review of Thor Love and Thunder is on Rotten Tomatoes and my theater reviews for Fly North Assassins and the Muni's Mary Poppins will be up today on poplifestl.com. And also I have a weekend of theater. So that's what I'll be doing. And I'm also in the Webster Kirkwood Times. Kent and I review Thor. And I'm on KTRS every Thursday night after the 10 p.m. news with Ray Hartman. And uh, we uh, just want to mention real fast, Mary Poppins. Uh, you can brave the heat. It's not that bad as you think because of the fans. And I found it delightful and charming. Carl, did you see it? I was at Thor. So, OK, well, I thought so. I, I but, am going to see it while it's here because it's here for two weeks. Well, Corbin Blue and uh, Jenna DeWall are, are just wonderful together. And it's nice. It's a cast of 75 from 8 to 80. John Tartaglia, the uh, maestro of the puppet adds things and makes it magical. And so I highly recommend that. Uh, if you're going to the ball yard this week, uh, superheroes, uh, DC superheroes night is July 13th and shark week. They're going to have a Nolan Arenado shark bobblehead uh, is uh, July 11th, Monday that's, night. That's weird. Thank, Thank you very much so for doing this. is always fun. Joe, good seeing you. I see you. Um, Thank you. Good luck with your car. Good luck with your air conditioner. Good luck with your life, Carl. I don't know what's Thank wrong with I... you today, but maybe there's something. I don't know. <laughs> Thank but you whatever guys. it is, good luck with it. Thank see you later. <laughs> Bye. Stay cool and stay dry, everyone. Yes. Be safe. 
stay cool. That COVID's making its rounds again. Another new strain. So uh, thank you so much, Joey. Joey, thanks for being out with us. To uh, the showcase. And I'll see you next at the Duck Room. That's right. See you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.